Open your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew. We as a church in Uganda have been going through the Sermon on the Mount. And I have come and I have absolutely been lost in the words of Christ. This passage is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And some of the truths that have impacted my own heart, I've wanted to pass on to you. Let me read these words, and then I want to read my favorite hymn as I introduce the passage. Again, Scott had read these, but I think let us see them again. Start with me in verse 19, Matthew 6, 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on, that's where you kick in, come on, treasures on what? On earth. We got to interact. Make me feel like I'm in Africa, all right? Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in where neither moth nor rust destroys, nor where thieves break in and steal. Key verse. Look here at verse 21. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. My favorite hymn is written by Elizabeth Prentice. It's entitled, More Love to Thee. The hymn reads like this. Once earthly joy I craved, sought peace and rest. Now thee alone I seek. Give what is best. This all my prayer shall be more love, O Christ, to thee, more love to thee. Another famous hymn is the hymn that says, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to, to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow with ceaseless praise. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite with, would I withhold. Take my love, my Lord, I pour at thy feet its treasures store. Take myself and I will ever be only all for thee. Notice in these hymns the relationship between the things of this world, the earthly possessions, and heavenly love for Jesus Christ. Notice the relationship. One I hate, the other I what? I love. A hatred for the things of the world and a love for God is what the psalmist cries. We live in a world today that is rich. Every person in this room is rich. Every person in this room is wealthy. And I get the joy and the privilege of living in the African context and coming back and visiting 
you. You are visitors to me in some ways because I, the, the world's changed. I've lived in Uganda for 14 years. People use only one or two bathrooms. Things have changed. I come back and I, I, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm culture shocked as I come back. My children come back and go to school here. And when they go to school here, they are confronted with other Christians living in this world. They're confronted with the reality that many who are pastor's kids watch movies that they were never allowed to watch. America, in many ways, is like a zombied country, roaming, going from one thing to the next, and, 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 and being busy with everything. We have a media world today with our phones that are bombarded information, 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 information. And then you have these psalmists, these hymn writers rather, that are speaking of worldly, heavenly. In my own heart, I too can be in Uganda and all consume with ministry and forget the main purpose and the main cause of the ministry. And that's why even Jesus addresses this, song, this passage here in Matthew. In this book so far, what has taken place is Jesus, in chapters 1 to 4, makes a proclamation. The proclamation is Jesus is king. Everybody, Jesus is? Jesus is? That's his declaration from chapter 1 to chapter 4. Then in chapter 5, the king comes to center stage. And he declares as king, let me tell you who is in the kingdom and who is not. Those are called the Beatitudes. You want to know who's in the kingdom? Someone who's in the kingdom is those who are poor in spirit. Those who mourn. Those who are gentle. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those who are merciful. Those who are pure in heart. These are the ones who are in the kingdom. And he comes shockingly to these religious Jews who are all about the externals. And he says, listen, you want to know whether you're in the kingdom? Have you been transformed in your heart? And does it look like this? From telling them who's in the kingdom, he tells them what their job is. You are to be salt in the world. You are to be a light on the hill. We are to shine forth God. That's why he says in the great exhortation in verse 16 let, of chapter 5, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and what? Glorify who? Come on, glorify your Father who is in heaven. Your good works toward men are to what? Exalt and proclaim the glories of God. Then he comes, and he addresses, after addressing who his servants are, what they are to do, he then tells them, let me give you instruction regarding service. And when you come to chapter 6, verse 1, he tells you how your service is not to be. Look what he says. Chapter 6, verse 1, beware of practicing your righteousness before men 
to be noticed what? By them. I'm sorry I didn't use an ESV. I know you guys are ESVers. We'll pray for you. But when you practice this righteousness before men, don't do it before them to be noticed. Verse 1, everybody look there. Why? Otherwise, you will have no reward with your Father who's in heaven. So as a servant, don't serve to be noticed. Or you will have what? No. Everybody look at me. Talk to me. Talk to me. Here we go. Or you'll have no what? No reward. Key. Key to understand this, to understand the text before us. And then he gives three examples of, of service. When you give, chapter verse 2. When you pray, verse 5. When you fast, verse 16. Look at verse 2. When you pray, don't do it. Don't sound a trumpet like the hypocrite. Do you see that? Don't do it like the hypocrite. Rather, when you do it, verse 3, when you give to the poor, do not let your right hand, left hand, know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be done in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will what? Will reward you. Notice the relationship between service and reward. When you come to verse 5, when you pray, don't be like that. Don't be like that. That's where you say hypocrite. Everybody together? Hypocrite. All right. Don't be like them. Or you'll, their reward is in full. But verse 6, but you, when you pray, go into the inner room, close your door, and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will what? Will reward you. Verse 16, when you fast, do not put on a gloomy face like the, like the hypocrite. They will have their reward in full. Verse 17, but when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who's in secret will reward you. Then you come to verse 19. And verse 19 drives then the passage before us. I want to show you three aspects or of this text. I want to show you what the Christian mindset should not be or the Christian motivation should not be. Then I want to show you what the Christian motivation should be. And then I want to tell you why. And, and I want to say that the motivation behind this sermon, I think, is the same as Christ's. Because I want your hearts to be Christ's. It's interesting, the world today, we take our Christian freedoms, and that many of the Christians want to exercise them. And I think we do that because, because they're free, but we don't realize the costs of some of our freedoms. And I want us to understand very clearly why a Christian hates worldliness, why a Christian hates the world. And I think our passage 
describes it very clearly for us. Please don't misunderstand. Please understand when we get to the why and hear what drives my heart as I seek to shepherd the Western world. Three questions or three aspects of Jesus' teaching. Let me show you the first one. First aspect, what a Christian's mindset must not be. What a Christian's mindset must not be. Look with me at your king, Jesus' command to you in verse 19. Jesus' command to you, do not what? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. This is a command. Don't do this. Don't live for this present world. Don't let this be what drives you. Our master, our king, Jesus, is coming to those who are his servants, those who are his children, and he's commanding you. And I think he's doing it with all his heart. I think he's crying out to them, don't do this. Don't. And I want you to hear that. Because this is not just a passive word. This is a strong imperative. Don't live for this world. You're going to understand when we get to the why. Listen, both of them, the, the, both what we're to do and what we don't do, involve treasures. We're not talking about getting treasures. We're talking about what we do with treasures and the motivation behind our treasures. That's the context in what we're dealing with. But do not store up treasures on this earth. Don't be like the hypocrites. You say, well, Shannon, what does he mean by this? Well, let me help you understand. What he, we know from the context, what he's driving at is don't be like the hypocrites who live for the eyes of people. He had just said, look, your treasure's not, it, it won't be there. If, if you live it for God, then there's treasure full reward, right? There's no treasure here. There's heavenly treasure here. So now, therefore, do not do this. Do not store treasures here, but store it here. Don't be like the hypocrite where you do what you do to be honored by men. Don't let the motivation of your heart be for man, be for what is here on this earth, for what doesn't matter, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Don't do it. Don't live for the now. Don't do it. Don't live for the popularity and honor of your peers. Don't live for the physical things around us, but live with the motivation to use all of these things for kingdom purposes. I had the joy and privilege of being a businessman. I made money in my days in business, and I used to think that, okay, maybe money was bad. Money is not bad. Big houses aren't bad. I advise everybody, get the biggest house you can when it's a good investment because the better the house, the more it goes up in value. 
It's never what we have. And I, as an American living in Africa, I've got more resources than the Africans. And some people say, Shannon, why don't you live like a village guy in a mud hut? I'm like, because I'm not, I mean, that's dumb. I, I literally have people, well, you know, I'm like, why don't you come here and live in a mud hut, buddy? <laughs> and if I did that, the Africans would say, ah, <laughs> what a dork. No, it's never what we have. It's always what we do with what we have. Some people have a small home, but they don't let anybody in it because it has to be perfect. Or some have a big house, and they, it's always the activity, the center of activity because they're using it for kingdom advancement. And let me tell you, big homes allow big kingdom impact. So it's never the size of your home. It's always with what we do with the treasure we have. And why we do with the treasure we have. makes sense? And the issue here is people were serving, but they were doing it for the motivation of being seen. The motivation of everybody seeing them saying, wow, hey, you're awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. And Jesus is saying, have no part in that. Don't do it that way. Jesus is saying, don't be like the hypocrite. Don't be like the religious, those who are pretenders living for this present world. Don't do it like that. The king is commanding, dear friends, his servants to live differently. You see, the world will give. The world will live for things. But we are not to be like the. Because the world wants to create security here. But we live differently. We live for a different kingdom. And that's what brings him to his second aspect of this text. What are Christians' mindsets to be? What are we to live for? What is the motivation behind our living? And look what he says in verse 20, but store up for yourselves treasures in what? In heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys, where neither thieves break in and steal. What is he saying by this statement? By the way, this storing up is the idea of stockpiling. Don't stockpile things on this earth. Rather, stockpile things where? 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 That means when our focus needs to be on a heavenly retirement, not on an earthly retirement. Chances are, whatever you leave behind will be fought over afterwards anyways. But our mindset needs to be, I want to live for kingdom. I want to live for heaven. I want to live for my master. That's why we go from here and you get into the whole anxiety passage. The whole issue of worrying. Remember, don't worry about today. It has enough problems of its own. But rather, what are we to do? We are to seek first his what? His what? And his righteousness. And all these other things will be you see, our worries come because often we're focused on the earthly and not on the what? The heavenly. But when we get our mind of, this is not about me. This isn't about me. 
This is about kingdom. And when our mind is in heaven, we don't have the affairs of everyday life bothering us. Jesus is calling us here to not practice our righteousness before people, but rather to, to, to practice it before God. What he's saying here is this. And the examples here are giving, praying, and fasting. That's what drives in it. So when you pray in secret, what are you doing? Storing treasures in heaven. When you fast in secret, what are you doing? Storing treasures in heaven. When you give in secret, what are you doing? So you know what can happen? Every single person here, When you do these acts of services before the Lord, you're storing in heaven. Whether you have money or not, it's when you use your servant's service for God, you're storing treasures with God. The heart of Jesus' teaching is this. Let your motivation be for kingdom. Let it be for God. Let it be done in secret. Let it be eternal And let it be for the praise and exaltation of your master. Unlike the hypocrites. Jesus is exhorting his followers to live for God's glory and God's glory alone. Live to proclaim the excellencies of him. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. I want to ask you, what is motivating your life? What is motivating your heart? It doesn't matter if you're working at Chick-fil-A. It doesn't matter if you're working selling nuts, fruit, or whether you're a missionary in Uganda. Because I can be a missionary so that you can all look at me and say, wow, look what Shannon's the next Hudson Taylor. Am I right? And that would be against God's way. And there's a driving motivation why we don't do that. But what is the motivation behind why we do what we do? We do not need everyone to become missionaries. We need businessmen who are kingdom-minded, and that's what is being talked about here. And we have... A room filled with such men right here. Praise the Lord. Amen. Proverbs 11.4 says, Riches do not profit in the day of wrath. Proverbs 23.5 says, When you set your heart, your eyes on it, it is gone. What is driving us? When we came to Jesus Christ, we came in and said, Jesus, I surrender everything to you. Everything to you is yours. Do with me as you want. The Christian message is I have died to me and my wants, and I now live for Christ and his wants. There's been a dying to self.
And so with that, a Christian is surrendered to Jesus Christ and his kingdom. I remember when I was called to the mission field and at the height of my business days, I get on a plane and I realize that I can go and serve in Uganda. And I think to myself, wait a second, should I go? I mean, really, this is crazy. I ask myself this question. Do I believe this Bible to be true? And I asked myself that question because I realized the only thing driving me to go to Uganda is the belief that this is the truth. And I said, I know it's the truth. I know it's the truth. And I must live in light of it. I want to ask you the same question here today. Do you believe this to be true? And if so, we must live in light of it. And what does that look like? It means that we take what is our daily life and existence and we make it kingdom-focused, heavenly-focused, Christ-motivated. I'm so thankful for the testimony of my own daughter. I don't tell her what to say when she gets before people, by the way. But I'm thankful that if I gave my daughter anything, I gave her a passion to live for heaven. Because that's all that matters according to this passage. I want to take you to the motivation and the reason. And this is the deal breaker. This is what it's all about. This is why I feel this is such a powerful message why must we not seek the earthly? Why must we live for the heavenly? The answer is very clear in this text. Look at verse 21 with me, everyone. The first word in verse 21 is what? Everyone? For. Now in Greek, since I'm an expert in Greek with Scott, that's a gar in Greek. That is providing an explanation. Jesus comes and stands up and declares, don't do this. Do this. Here, he's now going to provide the reason. And it's this reason we must get. It's this reason we must understand. Because we can very quickly lose focus, lose clarity, and find that we start on the way motivated with the right reasons, and we find ourselves in the bush because we lost focus. Here's what he says as to the reason why we are to store treasures in heaven. He says, for where your treasure is, there your what? Heart will be also. Many young people come out of college or the master's college with all the ambitions in the world to live and conquer for Christ. Get in the business world and you lose your way. You lose your direction. Because we didn't keep this as the focal point of our driving compulsion of our lives. The principle is very clear here. What you grab onto will grab your hearts. Everybody take your hand. 
Take your hand, hit your husband, go ahead. What you grab onto will grab your... Let me say that again. What you grab onto will grab your... This is so important. This is so important. Why are we not to store up treasures on earth? Because if we grab onto the treasures of earth, if we live for the earthly things, we're talking motivation. If that's why we're living, if that's why we're doing it, then the earth will grab what? Our hearts. We must fear that. If we grab onto the eternal and the heavenly, then what will grab our hearts? Listen, you know what will grab our hearts? God will grab our hearts. God will grab our hearts. And that's why Jesus is saying this. Live for heaven so that I consume your hearts, so that I'm your treasure, so that I'm your consuming passion. Please live in that way so that I am your all in all. Look back in the nation of Israel. Look every time that God says, go and live and follow me as king. Don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left. Right after that is the exhortation, love me with your heart, soul, and mind. Because the only way we are going to follow Christ and obey him in everything and maintain that life is if Christ is fully ours. The full motivation and drive behind our lives. The only way that Christ will be our treasure is when heaven is our treasure. And so I think our master is coming here and saying, oh my servants, whatever field you're in, whatever your life involves, make me and heaven the driving motivation for your own good. Why is an alcoholic struggle with alcohol? It's because alcoholic is what he's grabbing on. He's treasuring. That's why even in Greek, the word for an alcoholic is someone who's in love with the bottle. Sports. If that's what you love, that's what will fill your heart. All of us who are married, we all know what it's like to be married when you first get married, your wife is like, woo, right? All you can think about is her. And in the dating world, it's like everything you do is for her. Why? She becomes your treasure. And so what fills your heart? Daniela, baby. And you get on in marriage. And if you're not careful, all of a sudden, you could see another girl. You can get on the internet and see models. And if you start looking at them, where's your heart going to go? Am I right? Every man knows that that's true. 
I've been married 21 years, and my wife is the supermodel in my world because I continue to what? Dedicate myself to her and love her as Christ loves the church so that then she will fill my heart. I always tell people the greatest way to avoid an affair is to love your wife. I love the story of Martin Lloyd-Jones. It's said of a farmer who joyfully runs into this kitchen and announces to his wife, Honey, you'll never believe it. God has given us twin cows. And you got to know, in a poor society, twin cows is like double your money, you know? Everybody goes, Whoa, yes! And he's so overjoyed, he says, to the, he says Honey, I'm going to give one of these cows to the Lord, and, 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 and one will keep. <coughs> well, the wife says, well, honey, which one? And he says, ah, don't worry. I'm going to have these cows grow up, and as they mature, when they mature, then I'm going to give them to the Lord. We're going to keep the proceeds for one, and then give the other to the Lord. So he says, it doesn't really matter now. Let's just see what happens. Well, a month goes by, and the farmer comes back into the kitchen. But this time he comes slowly, and he comes sadly. And the wife asks, what's wrong? He says, I have bad news. The Lord's cow has died. So often that's how it works, right? That the Lord gets our leftovers. He gets our surplus. But when God commanded Israel in terms of offering, in terms of giving, what did he command them to give? To give of their what? First fruits. To give of their finest parts. Why? Because he knew that if they could give of their first fruits, of the finest, their heart would be there also. Of Rehoboam, it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 14, it says this. Listen here. He did evil, that is Rehoboam, Solomon's son, did evil because he did not set his heart to seek the Lord. Have you set your heart to seek the Lord? Is what's driving you when you wake up Jesus Christ? Is he what you love more than anything? And listen, in the business world, I realized that God was blessing my toy job. And, and, and I, I realized miraculously, I mean, you don't get Aflac for no reason. So I realized he's blessing us. I started SOS so that I could give. And then when I realized, oh man, this is exciting, and I started giving toward this kingdom purpose of my own, and now I wanted to make more money. I want to do it more. Why? Because I wanted God to be exalted. I wanted to live for kingdom, and I realized that selling toys advanced kingdom, and it became exciting. 
But even in the midst of all that, I can be a missionary, and it can very get sidetracked when it's about Shannon, or it's about your mission, and not about Christ. So that's why every day must sit, start with sitting at the feet of Jesus, abiding in Christ. Because apart from him, I can do what? Nothing. My dear friends, I come with this simple message because I love you. And I believe that's what Jesus is doing here too. When I look at these hymns, once earthly joys I craved. What does that mean? It's now or later. Meaning, at one time in the past I craved these joys. But now I what? The alone I seek. I gave up world that I might have Christ. I think one of the biggest challenges we have in the Christianity today is that we have this belief that I can love the world and I can love Christ. And I want to declare to you that is a lie. You can't love both. You must choose which are you going to treasure? Which are you going to treasure? Oh, you're free. But what you choose to treasure is what will drive your heart. This world is passing away. This thing is almost over. We are going from here some of us at any moment into the celestial kingdom and we'll stand there and hear what words? Well done, thy good and faithful what? Did we serve the Lord faithfully? I love reading 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles. Every single life is summarized in one of three ways, either I did evil in the sight of the Lord, or I love the Lord, but not with all my heart, or that I love the Lord wholeheartedly. Read back through that. Those who are pastors in this church, is Jesus driving you? Is love for Christ consuming you? Living for kingdom advancement in this valley consuming you? Let it consume you. Get on mission. Christ is needed here. For those that are businessmen, there is not secular and sacred. There is, there is Christ and he makes everything sacred. What we treasure, dear friends, will take our hearts. And as one brother, one servant 
who's with you in this journey on the way to the celestial city. Give me Jesus. In the morning when I rise, what? Give me Jesus. May he be our treasure. May he be what we live for so that our hearts will be his. That's what Jesus wants. Don't live for this world, but live for the kingdom which is soon coming.